and welcome into a special podcast edition of the Left Turn. Here in Maryville, it is freezing cold, and we have yeah, been real locked out of the studio two Wednesdays in a row. That's because when we get back to live on-air programming, we'll be moving to Wednesdays from five to six from our previous time at on Mondays. So now, be on Wednesdays. Jacob Blair, Trevor Major, with you is. It's been a while since we've talked racing, and that's okay for the most part because it was the off season. But here recently, racing season kicked up a notch, and it started with the Chili Bowl down in Tulsa. Yeah, I guess if there's gonna be a time of year to not talk racing, this was probably the best time. But we're getting back into the swing of things. Um, NASCAR season about two and a half weeks away. Um, the Chili Bowl took place a couple weeks ago. We haven't got the chance to talk about it, as well as some sports car racing. Um, this past weekend. So racing season, it might not look like it outside, but it, it, it's it's here. It's upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so we will start with the Chili Bowl down in Tulsa, the, the biggest midget race of the year and really one of the biggest racing environments you will see. 350-plus midgets made their way five different qualifying nights. You had the main event, the alphabet, the, the infamous alphabet soup on Saturday. It happened a while ago. A lot of people know what happened down there, but you, you get the the qualifying nights were Logan Seavey, Kyle Larson, Rico Abreu, Christopher Bell, all Keith Coons Motorsports cars, won the first four nights. Justin Grant wins night number five. That locks all those guys into the main event. You run the soup. But really, this race was really about Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell on Saturday night. Yeah, and that's not surprising to anybody either. I don't think that Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell were the, the face of the week. Um, you know, two guys that have, have used the talents that they – they have and worked from dirt track racing and open wheels up into NASCAR and have been really successful at it. And I think kind of that was the talk going in was, you know, which one's going to get the, the one-ups? Is it going to be Larson or is it going to be Bell? And uh, both guys are capable of putting on a great show, and they did just that. And these these two have developed quite the rivalry in, in the midget ranks. A friendly spring, rivalry. A friendly rivalry, and you kind of knew it was going to come down to those two. And for the most part, Christopher Bell has gotten the better of Kyle Larson up until this point. But this race, it looked like it was going to be Kyle Larson's Christopher Bell. He'd won two in a row, was looking for three in a row. Believe it or not, that is not the record. Kevin Swindell has four Chili Bulls in a row back several years ago. But Kyle Larson had this race won, and then through lap traffic, a couple mistakes, last lap pass, he he hands Christopher Bell the win. There's no other way to say it. And you could see it with Kyle Larson is he wants the Chili Bowl bad. The, the Chili Bowl almost means more to some of these NASCAR guys that come from the dirt racing arena. It means more to them than a lot of the NASCAR races. He wanted the race, and he just handed it to Christopher Bell. Yeah, and that's never a good feeling. We saw that a couple times in the NASCAR season with Kyle Larson, too, where he had races that were probably his. You think of Chicago, um, the Darlington race, and the Roval at Charlotte. It just seems like sometimes bad luck follows him, and Christopher Bell, it seems like sometimes good luck follows him. Yeah, and, and the way that worked is it, it, Tony Stewart was the one doing all the track prep. He redid the track before the feature, so it started heavy, very quickly, but a gradual quick transition, if that made any sense. Uh, it transitioned to dry slick. Once that happened, Everyone kind of went to the top, but then Christopher Bell, he, he was about two seconds back. About six to go, he found the low line again, and I believe just one and two. He'd run high in three and four, ran the low line in one and two, 
and then Kyle Larson got hung up in lap traffic a little bit. New Bell was running the bottom because down at the Chili Bowl, you you have jumbotrons. You, you can see what's going on. Goes to block the bottom, misses the bottom, and it just gave enough width for Christopher Bell to, to stick it in there. Doored him a little bit. Bell made the pass. Larson goes back and tries to move him out of the way in three and four. Bell hangs onto it and gets the win. But really, it was an early, early a nomination for for race of the year and it's yeah. going to take a while i think for anything to to beat what happened at the chili bowl yeah a thrilling finish and christopher bell kyle larson two guys that like you said they developed a little bit of a rivalry a friendly one albeit and uh for those guys it was as disappointed as kyle larson was he knows it was it was just good hard racing it was his race to lose and he's more disappointed about the fact that he had the race won and didn't win it more than anything else but uh I read an article a couple weeks ago right after the Chili Bowl that, that someone wrote about how guys like Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell are probably the, the best thing for NASCAR because of that dirt connection and, and how appealable they are to everyone. And I think that Saturday at the Chili Bowl kind of holds proof to that. I mean, those guys put on a, a great show. Everyone was talking about I mean, it's two weeks later and we're still talking about it. So... Um, I think NASCAR is going to be, if those are the faces of NASCAR for the next 10 or 15 years, and they're going out on a random Saturday in January and putting on great midget car shows, NASCAR is going to be in a really good spot. At least I think so. Yeah, it, it, it's cool to, to see the NASCAR guys, and you're getting them more again from the, these grassroots racing areas. The unfortunate, I think if there's one bad thing for the Chili Bowl, it's after this race, we really don't care about anyone else. You know, Justin Grant and his really his own team finishes third. You had Zach Dom who it finished top five. You got a lot of these other drivers that, you know, had great weekends. Yeah. And some Tyler Courtney, Brad Sweet. You've got guys that have great weekends as well. And some people have great weekends and they don't make it out of the C main. That that's how tough all of this this is. But when those two put on the show they did, it's hard to, to talk about really anyone else but but Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson. Yeah. I mean, they just put on such a great show and do you think Bell will be back next year for a fourth shot? I mean, who knows what he, where he's going to be in 2020. Could be in the Cup Series. He, yes. I, 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 I think it'd take a lot to convince him not who, to. Because we can assume after one more year in Xfinity, Christopher Bell's going to be in Cup somewhere. I would he, say he's probably. He's ready now, and he needs I, to be. I think he replaces Denny Hamlin in, in 2020. Whatever the contract is, he's going to say, I yeah. get to run midgets. I get to run sprint cars. I mean, kind of maybe what what Kyle Larson did with Chip can ask you get a, a race limit, and the Chili Bowl will be on. Because this schedule. isn't, you know, this isn't the same problem of the Knoxville Nationals where it falls right in the middle of race season, and we've seen guys like Kyle Larson run the Knoxville Nationals on Saturday. Race gets over at eleven o'clock. They're on a plane to Michigan or Pocono or Indy, wherever the NASCAR schedule is out this year. I would say uh, I would be shocked if Christopher Bell doesn't try to make it four in a row next year. Well, and four in a row, you know, sounds like it shouldn't have been done before. But as we've mentioned, he'd only be matching Kevin Swindell. And I think that's what he's going to try to do. And I think undoubtedly when you turn up for the 2020 Chili Bowl, Christopher Bell is going to be your favorite. Kyle Larson is going to be right there. And everyone else is going to be chasing those two. Yeah, no, I think that's probably spot on. So that is our talk on the 2019 Chili Bowl. Again, it happened several weeks ago, so we don't want to spend too much time on it. But there was a, a important race 
that happened this last weekend. Didn't Ricky Stenhouse win a race for the Chili Bowl? That was a long time ago. Did he, he win one of the B mains or C mains? He or? made the A main. Did he? Did he win I, one? I don't of the think he won anything to get there, but he always finished right where he needed to, and, and he made the show. And that that in itself was. Oh, Ricky Stenhouse, a, a favorite of the of the program for sure. But we'll go ahead and transition to a race that's happened this last week, and we don't talk a lot about sports car racing. But this will probably actually be the the first time, but I think it and probably the only time we'll we'll hit the IMSA Sports Car WeatherTech Championship. But it's an important one. It's the 24 hours of Daytona, or in this case, the 12 hours of racing and 12 hours of pacing, due to what really could be described as a monsoon that happened in Daytona. It, it was one of the least and most interesting 24 hours of Daytona we've had in a long time. Uh, the, like we said, the first 12 hours ran green, lots of great, lots of great racing. And then about, you know, it's five, six in the morning, the rain hit. And when it hit, it, it messed with did, the race. Only 14 hours of green flag racing. Did total. you stay awake for the whole 24 hour race? I did not. You did not. What I, fell, kind of, I fell asleep. What kind of fan are you? I tried to get through it. Yeah, I first of all, anyone that, that does, I know. I think Roger Penske had stated that he was gonna um, go through. Which kudos to him. He's like a gazillion years old, and he was able to do that. Um, but yeah, the the weather in Florida is really weird. Um, you know, here we are in Iowa getting or Iowa, Missouri getting tons of snow and thirty, forty below wind chill. They're getting rain in florida and florida it just kind of rains on command i mean you can look at the weather and say oh it's not gonna rain and you know there's no rain in the forecast and then you look outside and it's a thunderstorm that's what i think townsend bell was saying is like thursday they were looking at the weather forecast and it was perfect Mm -hmm. and then friday at qualifying they roll it up and it's like it's a hundred percent chance of rain at like six o'clock in the morning sunday florida's the most has the most bipolar weather system i've ever seen i remember when I was a little kid, I went on the road with my grandpa and we went to Florida and I think I was about 10 years old, woke up at seven o'clock that morning by nine, it was a hundred degrees outside by noon. It was raining and down to 70 and by three o'clock in the afternoon, it was back up to 95 degrees and we were there three days and did that every single day. So the weather in Florida, you just never know. Um, it did create for kind of an interesting 24 hours at Daytona, although not quite the way maybe some people hoped. It's one that definitely will kind of have an asterisk beside it when you look back on it, you know, and kind of the unforeseen circumstances. Um, one of the, one of the, in terms of distance traveled, one of the shorter ones in quite some time. Last year's was the the most distance covered. This year's you'd have to go back a little bit to to find one that covered the least distance all the way back to 2004. So. And they ended at what? Twelve minutes premature? Ten minutes? Ten. Yeah. They, they ended it at twenty-three hours fifty minutes. That was after they'd been under red. The second red flag. They had an hour and forty-five minute red flag early in the morning. Then towards the end of the race, they had to throw it again. They, they ran countless hours under the caution, just that has to be trying boring. to. They, they were trying. They tried to go back to green a couple times, but you know there was an incident with the with the yeah. Corvette or hit hydroplane then on a restart no one could see anything and they piled up a bunch of cars visibility was terrible they did everything they can could to try to run this and and there's the argument of well they have rain tires why 
couldn't they race? And, and the situation is you still have to go fast. The, the speed on these cars is, is too great for the rain tires they have. They have to build rain tires that can withhandle the speed, and the rain tires just could not disperse enough water with how much water was on the racetrack. When you have standing water, you, you cannot see anything because of the spray. It becomes a safety hazard. So they did everything they could. Uh, but in the end, it was the number 10 Cadillac in the with the overall win, and that included someone by the name of Fernando Alonso on that, that guy team, good? who's pretty good and proved why he is pretty good. Is he he really was pretty much the fastest guy to be the Ricky Taylor, Andrew Jordan Zane, Taylor, Jordan Taylor. Sorry, Ricky Taylor, Jordan Taylor, Renger. They, they confused me when they decided yeah. to split, and one of them went to to race for Penske in the prototypes, and one of them stayed with Wayne Taylor racing, but. So it was Great. Jordan Taylor, Fernando Alonso, Renger Vanderzand, and I'm going to butcher this, but Kamui Kobayashi were the, the four for Wayne Taylor Racing. Um, that's the second in three years that they've won in the, in the Rolex 24. Um, the last time they won it, they won it in 2017 with Max Angelelli, Jordan Taylor, Ricky Taylor, and some guy named Jeff Gordon, who I've also heard is a pretty good race car driver. Yeah, so they know how to, to get the, the help because with these with these races you get two drivers throughout the season for the big 24 hours you at least got to add one or two with the rules and just safety to make it to the end but they ended up winning that a BMW ended up with the GT Le Mans win and that one the the GT Le Mans race was because there's four different classes LMP2 there was only four cars and not to downgrade anything but we really don't no one really cared a whole lot about what was going on in lmp2 but with the gt Le Mans, that one was really interesting because you had a ferrari leading at one point you had fords leading at one point the corvettes did not show up chevy chevy did not have a good performance but then in the end bmw and we'll get to this in a minute but the teammate to the car that was had Alex Zanardi behind the wheel. They put together, it really, th this race was a, a point in time where you just had to be in the right place at the right time to win the race, as in just catch yeah. when they decided it's, to end it perfect, and, and BMW did. Well, and as all of these, you know, races come down to, it's an endurance race. You're not going to you're not gonna win the race in, in the first hour or so of it, but you can certainly... Um, lose it if, if maybe you get too aggressive. But, yeah, the weather, we've seen in NASCAR before that the weather can kind of throw a, a hinge in things and, and did the same thing with the 24 hours or the 23 hours and 50 minutes at Daytona this week. And, again, only 14 hours under the green flag, so a very difficult That had to be really race. boring. And I think what saved this race is the storylines that, that went with it. There was an all-female driver lineup with – a Michael Shank entry, but but I think the biggest story w was Alex Zanardi, who lost both of his legs back in a crash in 2001, and he, he's tried racing before. I think they said he's you know worked with prosthetics, he's you know won Paralympic gold medals, but gets back in a GT Le Mans car, and this time it used hand controls. He, he had a brake lever, throttle on the, the steering wheel. What ended up really hurting that team is I believe the the steering mechanism that he had to use for his steering wheel broke 
and it broke the steering shaft. So they had to get that fixed, and that's what hurt their chances. But just that story for Alex and Artie to be back in a, a 24-hour endurance race really took the, the whole race, and that was the, the biggest storyline. Yeah, it's a tremendous story. You know, I, you go back and you, you look at Alex and Artie's accident at Lotson Ring in the kart series back in 2001, just a, a horrendous crash and it crashed in a time where really not a lot of guys walked away from crashes like that, but he did. Um, has persevered a, a lot, has turned himself into a Paralympic gold medalist in cycling, and um, has just shown an incredible grit and incredible toughness and has had a passion for racing his entire life. And he wasn't, he wasn't and hasn't let that, um, you know, his, his disabilities prevent him and gets behind the wheel of a, a Le Mans car and has a good day and just an awesome story. And you can't help but root for a guy like that. And you can't help but, but root to see him back and keep racing. I mean, he's only 52 years old. It's not like he's super old. So awesome story with Alex Sinardi. Yeah, so again, the 24 hours of Daytona, you had really the storyline of rain. the actual race is the rain, and there's nothing that can be done about it. And there's, like you said, Trevor, there's going to be an asterisk next to this one. But you still had to race 14 hours under green. You had to get to the end. And Fernando Alonso, and that's the name everyone's going to say with the winning team, is generally there's a guy that sticks out with the winning team. Fernando Alonso is kind of just going around right now and saying, you know what, I'm going to win this, and I'm going to win this, and I'm going to try to win this. Uh, and do, you, do you think he wins the Indy 500 this year? I don't think so. I think I don't think he. I think he leads. I think he contends, but I don't think he, he wins. I don't think end. he will because I think you know you look at the Indy 500. You know, I, and Tony Stewart brought this up in an interview that that I watched of his. Is these guys do this year round to get ready for the Indy 500? It's tougher nowadays for a guy like an A.J. Foyt um, or a Mario Andretti that would just show up and run the Indy 500 and, and be competitive and win. We saw Kurt Busch have a really good run. A.J. Allmendinger had a really good run. But uh, I think he'll be competitive. I, I think he'll finish third or fourth yeah. this year. I think if he does it a, a third year back-to-back, -back, that's the year he'll get it done. I think, I think he'll have a better shot this year. We saw what he did the first year he did it. He did that while still racing formula one he's now no longer racing formula one he's picking and choosing his races he's going to you know have the proper focus not that he didn't the last time but this time he's going to be fully focused he's going to be a contender that it's going to everyone's going to have to look out for what i'm concerned about this year for him is it is a direct mclaren honda entry is it's there's he's going to have the, i don't know where the support's coming from yet but it's not the it's last not a, time he ran it was an, with Andretti. It was Andretti. Andretti and McLaren yes. co-entry. This year, it's fully McLaren itself is back at the Indy 500. And I, I think they're going to need a year without the, the technical support of Andretti to get everything right. Wouldn't be surprised to see McLaren full-time in IndyCar in the future. It, it, one thing that I did catch, and I don't remember what it was, and I couldn't find it, but there is going to be a new team in IndyCar this year from the sports car ranks. They yeah, created I, an IndyCar team. I read it, too. I can't think of, of the name of it. But um, just kind of going back to what you said about how one name normally sticks out on the, the Rolex 24 champions, let me present to you the 2015 championship driver lineup. Jamie McMurray, who is probably of the four the worst driver in that lineup and still had a really good career. Kyle Larson, Tony Kanaan, and Scott Dixon. 
It's a lot of wins. That in was between. the year that Ganassi was still running in the yes. prototype and just brought a second entry and said, we're just going to put a bunch of drivers that don't have any chance at a championship because they all race something else and they're going to go win. And then they I remember that they year. They did. Yeah, I cannot, for life of me, I cannot think of the name of that IndyCar team. I read it too, um, but I cannot think of it. Where are you getting your NASCAR news from now? That That is the unfortunate thing, and that's where we're, we're headed yeah. now is – Talk about kind of the state. I thought uh, I'd segue into the, it. The, the state of NASCAR, the off season was going really well, and then January great. happened. Yeah, December was off. December off season was amazing. You know, because we every day we were you know commenting back and forth. So and so announced they're doing this. You know, Kurt Busch has made it official. Martin Truex has made it official. Daniel um, Suarez made it official. Yeah, you know, there was all types of different things going on. And then January came around, and it's just been blah. It, it it really has been okay for the Cup Series. It's been everything else that it has Cup really been a mess. Bad, the Xfinity Series and the Truck it, Series. It, is, I think the biggest news was the Chip Ganassi shutting down their Xfinity program. Everyone was super excited to see Ross Chastain get a full-time ride. He no longer has that ride. Chip yeah. Ganassi shuts down. The the issues with DC Solar, the sponsor, is really what caused all. And we're still and not. We're not sure if that what, what sure happened. They won't come out and say that caused the shutdown. But when you really you lose a sponsor like DC Solar, it's going to cause yeah. problems. Basically, all we know is um, DC Solar, the company that sponsored, was going to be the full time sponsor for Ross Chastain, also a, a primary sponsor for Kyle Larson in the Cup Series. The, the home the California home of their CEO was raided right around Christmas time. Um, my guess is it's still an ongoing investigation, so that's why there's not any other information forthcoming. But once that kind of happened, you thought, uh, this doesn't look good. And then about two weeks later, it comes out that you know DC Solar, because of that, sounds like they pulled the plug on their sponsorship, which means Ross Chastain no longer has a ride for 2019 and that's that's a bummer because I, I that's the guy i picked to win the championship this yeah, year we, we've got to go back and and redo all of our, yeah. our picks and the xfinity series it was that series that was just hammered with with pieces of news that that went against it you, you've got teams not fielding as many Rush cars Fenway's. yeah yeah their xfinity they're, team's gone so you've now lost what what looks to be two cars? Did RCR downgrade a car? All we know right now that they're running is is the two with Tyler Reddick. Yeah, yeah. And, and we we can assume they're going to run the three, but that's going to be it. You know, the twenty one ceases to exist anymore. It sounds like. I mean, this is it's not crazy to say that we would be wishful for thirty five cars. I, I think you're going to have enough back markers to to get a full field i think the the bigger issue is you're now down you can look at two penske cars we know two of the gibbs cars are really there you, you can look at the Stuart haas cars i think chase briscoe i think his season with what's happened it's got a better outlook now because he has less to, to deal with and has, has a shot to learn but you're looking at really eight to ten cars i think that, yeah, that are going to have yeah. chance disregard drivers but only about eight cars are going to have chances to win races this year i think you're talking if you're talking drivers i'll go drivers bell john hunter nemechek 
I don't think that 23 Cole, car can win. Cole, but I think he'd be competitive. Yes. Cole Custer, Chase Briscoe, you know, Allgaier, Noah Gregson probably in the second half of the season. I think he's going to take some bumps. And then Tyler Reddick, you know, and I don't think I'm missing anybody off the top of my head. You know, obviously you'll get the – the Joe Gibbs car where they'll trot out, you know, Kyle Busch or Eric Jones. Is or Brandon Jones back for? I haven't heard I, anything. Yeah. I think it it sounds like it because um, he's got pretty strong backing from Menards. Um, but we've seen him struggle in the Xfinity series. Yeah, it sounds like it, but I'd be lying if I said I know for sure. Um, it's just, it's a mess. It, it is, and then and then we had some some more information in, in the truck series that came out of pretty much nowhere. Yeah, is, like literally out of right field. Johnny Sauter was fired, and there's no other way to put it. He, he wasn't relieved of duty; he was fired. Well, we got to backtrack just a, a little bit more before we get to that. I guess yes, um, you're right. Is, is we know Brett Moffitt was no longer with the 16. With Shiggy Hattori Racing, they found their driver, and that one came out of right field as that, well. And that came out not, I mean, a week or two after Moffat won the title. I mean, it wasn't long after well, that. And then they waited. Like another month. Another month. But the the name, no one had Austin Hill on their no. radar to get that 16 did, ride. Did you really have a guy you were really thinking? I, I thought it was going to be someone not already in the truck series. I thought we'd see a guy... You know, maybe like a Derek Krause or somebody that could get back a younger guy. Um, you know, Derek Krause, Zane Smith, one of those guys. Which Zane um, Smith ended up with Junior Motorsports yes. for a couple. And that was before this. Yeah, so I thought it'd be someone like that or maybe like a, a, a Halley Deegan, someone that could get the backing. Austin Hill was completely off my radar. And it's not that he probably isn't deserving of a better ride than he had at Young Motorsports. He, he's done more with... The, the trucks he's been in than those trucks are capable of. But, I, I, again, I don't know how you get rid of a champion. Yeah. But but then the news came that Johnny Sauter was fired from GMS. Yeah. And I remember as soon as it happened, you know, I texted you and I said, you know, Sauter out of GMS, it would be so hilarious if Brett Moffat is the guy who replaces him. And then what happens? Brett Moffat ends up in – the GMS ride. I know they're the, the in GMS themselves. They're cutting a truck. They're only going to be running three trucks because they've year. got Sheldon Creed, Brett Moffitt, and then is Tyler Ankrum running some races for them? I think they've got one other truck that's going to rotate some drivers between like they, Ankrum and Spencer basically Gallagher. Basically, the twenty-one. Basically, what they did is they fired Johnny Sauter, and what they if you look at number wise, it's not Brett Moffitt that's going to be in the twenty-one. I, I don't. He's in the twenty-four. I think they're going to put him in the twenty-four. The 21 sees ex- to exist. It hasn't. I don't think it's been announced yet whether Creed's going to be in the 2 or the 21. I don't think, think that. I think it's, I think it's the, two, the 2. But I don't know that it's been it is, officially announced. It's such announced. a mess right now. It's hard to, to keep things we're straight. We're two and a half weeks away from the season starting, and which means we're probably only a week and a half away from the, the entry list coming out for the Truck Series race. I'll probably come out Monday or not this Monday or Tuesday, but the Monday after. And there, we, there's going to be know. some some wild stuff on that that truck entry list that's for and sure and the xfinity that yeah it, it's, it's and th- this all comes off the backing of, of something that kind of went a little bit quietly that we don't know a whole lot of information about but but nascar as the company ha- had layoffs over this off season as well uh, the, the 
there, there wasn't a whole lot reported on it except for some tweets on Twitter. And then you heard some stories about the guys that were, were let go landing, you know, spots at Andretti Autosport, places like that. But NASCAR downsizing, like I said, December was great. And January, it, it just created some cause for concern for this upcoming season where NASCAR at this point, you just really need to, to get to Daytona and get a lot of these questions answered. Yeah, um, January has been a kind of a, a not a not a good PR month for really anything in NASCAR. Um, between the layoffs, all the the team changes, Jayski shutting down, um, also just not a not a good month. And I haven't been able to find much on the layoffs either. I one report I did find said that NASCAR laid off around 50 employees um, to kind of help with their proposed bid to purchase International Speedway Corporation. Um, not really much on what areas were let go, you know, and what departments um, that's been yeah, well, unavailable when to us. Th- this first was reported, and like all things, it was first reported on Twitter. You really thought, and I really thought, we were going to get a lot of stories on this, and and nothing really came of it. You, you had, you had a not, statement. I'm not going to lie, until you sent it to me, on the rundown, I had totally forgot that it even happened. And I just, I know they they said what it was for, and it, it kind of makes sense what they're trying to do. It's it still, anytime you're having to lay off people from their jobs, it's not the best thing in the world. So no. it's, it's, it's a difficult. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily mean the end is near. I mean, you look at some, you look at a corporation like ESPN, I mean, they laid off, was it like a hundred employees back in April? They're not going anywhere. You know, NASCAR just made a two. You know, it sounds like it's gonna be a two billion dollar bid for ISC. You know, people are still watching NASCAR. You know, the attendance might be down some, but people are still going to the races. These TV deals are still worth a lot. Not what they used to be. They're still worth a lot. The sponsorship deals, not what they used to be, but still worth a lot. NASCAR is probably not going anywhere, but it's hurting right now. It's kind of in a recession. And real quick, with just some other off-season racing situations, is the TV deals, is NASCAR still with two different companies? They're with Fox, they're with NBC, but Fox has let every other motorsport go. And and so did ABC. NBC now is really your home for racing, other than the first half of the season in the Cup Series. NBC, Supercross, NBC. IndyCar? The entire IndyCar season, yeah, the entire IMSA sports car season is. I think that that in itself is going to be good for the sport. Is now everyone well, can can just say, okay, we want to watch racing. Let's go to NBC Sports. Yeah, and not only is ESPN, you know, for I think a seven eight year span, they they had Cup races, they had the whole Xfinity Series schedule, if I remember correctly. I believe so yes, um, you know, and they had IndyCar. And, stuff they've cut back a lot of employees too that were associated with nascar you think of bob pocris you know one of the more respected nascar writers in in the country um ricky craven who i've always thought is really sound analytically on i think it was nascar now he just signed the other day with fox that he's gonna gonna join their team and bob pocris has joined fox as well so we've seen you know, Fox has cut back maybe from more of that live coverage of different motorsports, but they're still committed to it. But right now, NBC's king. And and 
with, with who's and and you know there I I saw there was something the other day where I was just watching some racing online and the announcer audio wasn't coming through and as, as much as people like to complain about announcers especially with football games announcers are extremely important who's your on-air talent's extremely important and i think nbc's got it right with everyone they've got on all of their different broadcasts i thought the the rolex 24 that broadcast because they had the nascar team there they had their sports car team there they had the indy car team there what was just an incredible broadcast and it was. I, I felt it was unfortunate with the rain because they were doing a phenomenal job with, with who, who was on the air. And I think NBC. It's going to be fun this year watching all of their their stuff. Because refresh my the IndyCar broadcast. It's Lee Diffie, Townsend, Townsend Bell, Bell is it Paul, and Tracy? Paul Tracy, and that's a that's a great combination. Um, you know, you look at the NASCAR side of it. Um, Dale Jr. did an incredible job this year, and I think he's only going to get better. Um, Jeff Burton's really good. Steve Letarte's really good. I like Rick Allen. Um, I think, you know, he's not, he's kind of underwhelming a little bit. He's a lot better in the truck series, but I like Rick Allen a lot. NBC is the way to go. Um, they have a lot better talent and I think they provide an all around better broadcast too. And which is funny because the first time around in NASCAR, you know, that 90, I think it was 01 to 06 range. Alan Beswick was really the only thing they had going for it. The rest of it wasn't that great, but they've definitely redeemed themselves. And they've kind of become the home for motorsports, like you said. And we will get into more of team-by-team team basis next week. And real quick, before we end, we've got one more thing to get to. And that is, what is wrong with the Cup Series and their paint schemes? They're bad. They are bad. There's there's a couple good ones. Ryan Priest's came out the other day, and it, it's pretty solid. Did you see Chris Busher's, the, the theme they're going with? Um which is I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's really br- so. Chris Busher, you know, is JTG Doherty Racing. Um, for the last handful of years, their main sponsor has been Kleenex, um, Scotts, Cottonelle, that brand. They've tended to venture out to to different food products, and Kroger's been their their main source, I guess I should say. But they've ventured out to different food products as sponsors. You know, they've had Tyson, you know, Oscar Mayer, all of those. Well, they created basically a marketing ploy where each month is going to have a different theme you know and then they'll have sponsors in that theme so i think one of them is you know cleaning so it's seven or eight different cleaning product corporations one of them is you know grilled foods and it's a brilliant ploy the paint schemes are all right i mean they're not the greatest thing in the world but they're all right i do think ryan priest's looks really sharp i think daniel hemmerich's some of his look really the Bass Pro one. They're gonna run a Daytona. That looks slick. Um, but but a lot of them are just that they're just they're just bad. And we'll get to all of those here in a moment. We are talking about paint schemes here on the left turn. Paint schemes. Paint schemes and paint schemes. We're talking about how bad they are. Well, yeah, they're, they're not paint. We got to remember that they're vinyl. They're wraps. There's no paint on these things anymore. Yeah, but calling them vinyl doesn't sound as cool. I mean, my girlfriend uses vinyl. I mean, she doesn't use paint schemes. No, so they're, they're not vi- they're, they're paint schemes, not vinyl designs. schemes. And the designs are bad. And that's what we were talking about is, you know, we, we mentioned some of the good ones. Denny Hamlin's isn't terrible. He's gone white this year. It's a different look. But even last year, you look at someone like Chase Elliott's Mountain Dew scheme. You, you've got to 
in my my opinion, not the greatest green you could have picked. But then you put black numbers with black outline, and it, it just sharp. all fades. It, it, well, I'm saying I don't like it. I wish they had white numbers Did on that Did you see where scheme. was it? Ryan Blaney's PPG scheme one scheme of the year. Which they've got some kind of speaks to the uh, and I love Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney is my favorite driver of NASCAR, not named Jimmy Johnson, but it speaks to kind of the atrocity of the NASCAR paint schemes that um, that's it, the go-to. And I think the reason we're talking about this is more so there's there's two specific ones. One came out yesterday, two days ago. Well, we're on a podcast, so yeah, it came out recently, and that's Kyle Busch. Talk about the M and M's one or the Interstate one? The M and M's one. Has he changed his paint scheme at all in the last... No, and they just did. And I'm not seeing the one that just changed then because the only one I'm seeing is basically the same as the old one. So The the new one, they've... What they've called it is it's more chocolate infused. Oh my God, that looks terrible. (laughs) Trevor just saw it. I just saw it. It is. It It, is so... I'm sorry. It looks like a giant rolling turd. That's the only you way you can talk about. It. That is the only way you can talk about Kyle Busch's paint scheme. I think this it's year. just as, is it just his Daytona 500 paint scheme? I hope so. I don't want to look at it's that a, all year. It looks like a giant rolling turd. It, 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 what I don't understand, which is fitting for Kyle Busch, is I don't. It, the fact that I'm speechless about some of these paint schemes is not good. But th- these are companies that are sponsoring these teams. And how the companies and the teams approve some of these paint schemes. I mean, have you seen? I mean, we, we both work at local racetracks. Have you seen some of the cars that roll out of trailers there? They are sharp. Some of them are super. I, I'm a big fan of like the the blue with orange numbers, like something like that that pops out at you. Because one is an announcer. Orange numbers are easy to spot yeah. on a racetrack. Well, here, here's my opinion. Is some of these teams need to fire their graphic designers and head on over to the local Joe's graphic design yes. shop that does race cars around this area and get him to, to make one of their cup cars. Yeah, you look at some of the wraps that, that some of the guys from around this area that just do, you know, dirt track modifieds, they do an incredible job. One, they're, they're a lot cheaper, too. than I mean, you can get a, a really good wrap from, you know, so-and-so for less than $1,000. Um, a really good one for that price. Um, yeah, some of these are bad. Um, you it, mentioned Kyle Bush's. We, we got to talk about Jimmy Johnson's. Yeah, you get a you get a new sponsor, and you get Ally Bank, and you make a black car with nothing in it whatsoever on it whatsoever except some jumbled pink at the on the hood, and so your sponsor's pink, and you go with yellow. Numbers is if your sponsor it's the, the the same yellow numbers he's been running forever to me you need to go white numbers with a pink outline your sponsor's colors are, are pink and light purple it, it's it's just it's it doesn't be, make sense the pink stripes across the the roof are kind of what baffles me um there, there's no design to them whatsoever no. it's just like they grab like let's just put ally on the car and let's put some pink stripes here and let's put some pink around the tires and you know then the ally is you know then you got the side of the car that it's the typical jimmy johnson all black yellow numbers with the white sponsor name across the side it's um it just it it doesn't make sense but anything is going to be weird for jim i mean jimmy johnson could, they could have done they so could have they could have done a lot better and i'm i'm kind of disappointed um i think those are the two worst you look at some of the other ones i think 
Daniel Hemrick's got some some nice ones. We mentioned that Bass Pro one that they're going to roll out. At, um, I think both Bass Pro ones look nice, but the, the Daytona 500 one looks really slick. Um, the, the one thing I wanted to, to just bring up is it seems like the smaller teams, so the, the non-Stuart Haas, and I will say Stuart Haas, Kevin Harvick, they brought out one that, that I think is going to look really good on the racetrack. Which one? It's the I don't remember which sponsor. I think it's Mobile One. It's black with yes. gray flames. Yep. I think that, that one, one didn't come through on the, the design when they released it. I think on the racetrack that one will look good. Clint Boyer had some some cool-looking ones. Uh, but for the most part, you know, you talk about your bigger teams, Hendrick, Gibbs, the better paint schemes are coming from – Levine Family Racing, Go Fast Racing. They're they're coming from these smaller teams where, you know, the, the, you go to the racetrack. The better looking cars are the cars that are eight laps down, and that's backwards to me. I do like Martin Truex's Bass Pro scheme. I do like that one. It's kind of what it was when he was at Furniture Row, um, but it's it's got some nice pop to it. It it's nothing super fancy, but it it does stand out. Um, and, and Denny Hamlin's uh, he went white on his. It's it's pretty simple, but it's not terrible. I think it's different. I, don't I think, think they I've seen they could have. I either. think Gibbs released their paint schemes or their Cup Series just the, the recently, but uh, with Denny Hamlin's, it, it gets the job done. I think it could have been better. I think he could have added a little bit more color to to it. I think there's too much white, but it gets the job done. Uh, then you get just some bland ones. Uh, you you've obviously got Kurt Bush's where. There's really not a whole lot. That going one's on. pretty bad. It's and, literally just the number one, and like, then in a lot of the the Richard Childress ones or Daniel Suarez ones, it's like they go and they're like, "What is?" You know, they they ask like a fourth grader what he would do, and every fourth grader is going to say gradient. Like Richard Childress is the king of gradient paint schemes, where you have we have one color on the front and one color on the back, and then you just blend them together. Like every fourth grader does with their poster project. Yeah, I'm I just, in a senior in college, and I still do that with my projects. See, I, I just think there, there's so much more that w- with the way things are done now with the wraps, there's so much more designed to incorporate the sponsors better, to make the cars pop a little bit more. I think I think things could be done a little bit better on the, on the paint scheme aspect of, of NASCAR right now. As long as I don't mess up Darlington, I'm okay with it. Well, that's the best. That's the best. One of the best races of the year because you get real paint schemes. Yeah, I just saw Denny Hamlin's paint scheme. It kind of looks like, um, when I think it was Jason Leffler ran that car when it first started. I want to say oh five. It's pretty much just that. And I think that's just because they went white. white with FedEx. Yeah, he, they they've run a black car for so long. They they've now went going purple and then now they're going to go white. Going back to they went black for a while too, didn't they? Yeah, that was what it was. Yeah, originally for most like of for most of Denny Hamlin's career it was white. 12? They just went purple this last couple of years. Four, yeah, somewhere in that ballpark. Going back to the little Darlington thing cuz it's my favorite weekend in in NASCAR cuz the paint schemes are just awesome. If you could pick any one throwback that you don't think has been done, what would you what would you want to see out there? You put me on on a spot. I that's without any research. Yep. Cause that's what you did to me with the Chili Bowl and the Rolex 24. I gave, I, I told you that you, several have, days I ago. I didn't have time for that. Well, that's your problem. You're yeah, just well, it's your problem for not expecting um, the unexpected. Well, you do that to me. I, that's what I'm here for. To, to me, I, I think they've done most of the really good throwbacks yeah. at this point. There, there's probably some, there's been some good 
you know, one-off or two-off paint schemes that they've done in the past that I think they could grab. I don't have any of them on my mind because, like I said, you just I want to see someone from Rick Hen- from Hendrick Racing do the old, like, Terry Labonte, Kellogg's yellow and red, white hood. I mean, doesn't matter what the spot. Chase Elliott would be a perfect guy yes. for that because he's got 47 different sponsors that somebody would say, sure, I'll do that. Um, that's the one that really sticks out to me. Other than that, a lot of them have been done. Nothing will ever beat the Rainbow Warrior paint scheme in my mind. Um, I hope William Byron runs that again. Or some, you know, go back to the Flames. Do that, you know, something like that, um, you know, or do the Pepsi. Isn't it, was it, because they've shortened up the time frame of 90 the, to 94 is what I think it is this yeah. year. Because they, they, were, they were going by a whole decade in eras, and now they're like, well, we're going to run out of stuff doing too quickly. they're doing 90 to 94. So, so William Byron, roll out the, the Rainbow Warriors again. I will never I will never disdain from that. Chase Elliott's got a – Hooters is the sponsor of Chase Elliott. Do an Alan Kowicki tribute. I know we've seen that before, but we haven't seen it with a Hooters car, I don't think. Um, yeah. That's the hard part about the throwbacks is getting the, the sponsors to agree because you don't have the same sponsors. But hopefully – I really Some of them have gone out and got this. I think Matt Kenseth did the Tide throwback a couple mm-hmm. years ago. That was a nice one. I, I just hope throughout this whole conversation that someone in the NASCAR community hears this and yeah. at least Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Busch go back to the drawing board. If you're listening to a podcast from two idiot college students in Maryville, Missouri. We're not idiots. We know what we're talking about. Two somewhat educated college students in Maryville, <laughs> Thank Missouri. You. Definitely take our opinion into consideration, please, and thank you. So that will do it for the left turn here for X106 Sports. We will be back on air this Wednesday from 5 to 6. Got a special coming up as we got the preseason special. Oh, yeah, me scared for a minute. We're going to be going through every single team in the Cup Series, talking about what changed, what didn't. And I break everything down for Daytona. Not this weekend, but the next weekend racing will start at Daytona with the ARCA Racing Series, Daytona 500 qualifying, and the Clash, which Jamie McMurray is going to run, by the way. And that paint, did you see that paint scheme? That one actually was good. I like it. I, I like that one a lot. Um, he's going to run the, the first race for Spire Motorsports in the 40 car, and then my man Quinn Hauf is going to take over in the 77 car after that. So it, it, we're, we're here. It's, it's racing season, and again, we will have a special next week, even a full rundown of the Cup Series full-time lineup next week, 5-6 to six on X106 KZLX LP Maryville. For Jacob Blair and Trevor Mader, thank you for tuning in to The Left Turn.